knew that I was the best. Yeah. What did I do? Kiwi work ethic has just been non-existent for the last 20 years. If it's something that you're passionate about and that yeah. you really have um, a drive for, then do it. Two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we should start while we've yeah. got this momentum. Welcome, everybody, to the Crafting and Grafting podcast. Today's guest is Martin Guich. Martin is founder of Collective Consulting Emigration Advisors. Martin started from scratch and grew his dream into a nationwide success. Today, we share his story of self-belief. Welcome, Marty, and thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Niall. Um, yeah, so just a little bit about me um, and Collective Consulting. So for those of you that are not aware, Collective Consulting is an immigration advisory firm. Um, so we specialize in immigration advice and representation um, for for individuals or companies, helping them navigate through the complex and always changing immigration system. Um, glad to be here today with, with Niall. And, yeah. Um, talk a bit about our journey or my journey as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And we've got similar journeys, so it's, we've lots to talk about. But um, I think we'll start at the start and show people where it began and where it began for you all those years ago. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess the journey for collective consulting started probably 2011. I was working yeah. for um, Immigration New Zealand and was on the other side of the system and saw yeah. people going through the system, uh, having difficulties, whether that be on their own or through poor representation yeah. and, and kind of saw an opportunity to help people and maybe make some money. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, to make money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, 2011 sort of had the idea, 2012 did my study in order to practice, you need to be qualified and then started it off in um, 2013, October officially and um, went from just being myself, doing it on the side, to then a nationwide company with pre-COVID, 14 staff and five offices yeah, well, across New Zealand. It's yeah, been, a, well, been a long road, but... Um, it's been a journey, yeah. <laughs> well done. Yeah, I remember, because um, I knew you, not quite when you started out, but I remember you telling me that you also wanted to give people an affordable option. Yeah. Because... Maybe the the only other options were seriously expensive and out of people's reach. Well, yeah, that, I mean that was the big motivation behind the business was to help people, and the, and our kind of ethos are is you know help people first, make money second. That comes a lot from uh, sort of my background and and my dad growing up. He was a man of man of the people, man of the community, and um, he was a probation officer, probation parole officer, and dealt with high risk, violent offenders or really strong drug addiction right, and wow. they would be out of jail and um he would be the one that recommended to the judge whether they go back to jail or yeah. stay on stay out he so, gives people a chance essentially yeah, yeah. yeah so he would always go he would always um tell his people look i'm gonna back you this is your one chance yeah don't screw it up and yeah. and so you know he always wanted to help people um awesome. and yeah. and so i 
I think I took I, I took a lot from that. Didn't actually ever think I would be an immigration advisor. <laughs> it was yeah. kind of it just something I fell into after working for Immigration New Zealand and seeing that the only help available for people was exorbitant amount yeah. of fees um, and poor representation or do it on your own. Yeah. So I kind of filled that gap in the middle where. Um, you know, started doing it just on the side as I was too scared to kind of commit everything yeah, to it and, yeah. and would do it part time in addition yeah. to working jobs to ensure I had income yeah. coming in and did a lot for just trades or donations. So when I first started, you know, I, I would go to people and say, look, I'll handle your friends or yeah. friends of friends and say, you know, I'll handle your legal immigration paperwork and you just give me what you feel is right fair, fair. Yeah. and so you know for example you know one of my first ever clients she was a massage therapist so i did the visa paperwork she traded me in six yeah. mas- six massages or 10 massages yeah. for example so yeah it started like that and then sort of very humble beginnings i think every business owner probably has that point of realizing their own value you know yeah you're not sure at first till you have your first client i guess and if you work it out from there with each and every one and yeah and it's a big yeah big thing recognizing your value and i yeah. didn't i didn't really recognize that for a long time yeah you know? so 2013 um was when when it was started and then 2014 i was due to go to the football world cup in brazil in in like june july right yeah in rio in rio and i had a difficult decision to make because the business was starting to get some traction yeah and i was i had my flights booked and my tickets for the games and it was just me at this point so i I made the call to not go cancelled the trip and worked out for the best that was probably because, a big milestone. Yeah. yeah. So that was sort of June 2014, and that's when I decided to fully commit to it. Yeah. Or maybe not a milestone, but a fork in the roads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Choose one pad or the other. Well, it was pretty much go party, spend all my money, or <laughs> this small business idea that was gaining traction, try to commit fully to it. Yeah. So I quit my job, just fully committed to the business, yeah. and from there started with a small office which was the size of a cupboard then moved to a a larger cupboard (laughs) and then a larger cupboard with one staff and then um i think it was about 2015 that i decided to sign on to a larger larger lease and was that the place you have now that's the place we have now so when we when we leased it initially it was really big for for us yeah there was three or four of us in there so it's something that we we grew into, um, and then pre-COVID we sort of outgrew because of the you know how big we were getting. Yeah, um, COVID's you know been a tough time because yeah. nothing. Yeah, everything's changing. In, yeah, in, especially in the immigration space. But yeah, so I understand it has a massive effect on your business, and we'll talk a little bit about yeah. that later. But yeah, that's really interesting. I, one thing I noticed at some stage, you just have to make a leap of faith, and you weren't sure if it was going to work with the office and the lease, and you just went for it and made it happen. And that's that's kind of inspiring. You've shown a lot of people that. If you just back yourself, you can do it. I know you said at the start you struggled a bit with self-belief, but really 
for me, that's what's got you to where you are today is, is backing yourself. Yeah. And, and I guess that's when I, you know, probably when I backed myself would have been June yeah. 2014. So it's been about eight years. And even, yeah, moving to the bigger space just had to take that, that leap and that risk. And that's a lot about what being in business is, is taking risks. And something that people that haven't started a business don't always understand is that, you know, in, in June 2014, that was a huge risk cut off all my income yeah. and try something new. Yeah. Um, and and then 2015, 2016, whenever we signed up the current lease, you know, again, um, it's a lot bigger space than we needed. Yeah. Really high overheads. So, yeah, it's, it's really just about giving, giving it a go. Do you think it takes a certain type of personality to maybe a risk taker to, to do these things? Yeah, I think it, it, a lot of different types of people. I mean, I think risk takers or in in my case, I just I knew that I was the best. Yeah. What did I do? Yeah. And so, you know, I kind of self-confidence and yeah. sort of the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. So, yeah. you know, like yeah. I knew that, well, if I'm the I feel that I'm the best or at least one yeah. of the best, then it's going to happen and yeah. and just um, kind of keeping overheads low to start with so that if it does turn to custard, you know, you've yeah. got an out. Yeah. Um, you know, the first few years, the offices were month to month or yeah. um, or six or 12 month leases. So it was kind of easy exit. Whereas, yeah, then as we got bigger, started making two, three, four, five year plans. And before COVID hit, we'd made a, a six year plan. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it kind of went out the window and, yeah. and back to... Square one in effect, in, in the sense that like COVID's made a lot of people have to work in their businesses a, a lot. And, and basically that sort of first three to five years of startup where you're putting all your time, effort, money into the business yeah. is sort of what COVID has made a lot of business owners do is you, you go back to yeah. doing the hard yards. <laughs> yeah. um, and in some cases, people just burn out or yeah because I think you're effectively yeah. having to start your business all over again to adapt to the world and it's hard because when you start out first you've got so much enthusiasm and energy and to have to go back to that again so you have to muster it from somewhere it's difficult i guess but covid it seems to have just turned everything on its head for so many people around here yeah someone said to me it's like business university going through covid if you can get through it you're going to learn so much I, yeah, I believe it's been like that for you for the last couple of years because the goalposts are always moving and the rules keep changing and it's, I understand, being very challenging for collective consulting. Yeah, it's definitely been tough, but yeah, it just kind of comes back to drive that motivation. You know, do you, do you still have it is, yeah. is the question because when you, have, when you start something, you have all this enthusiasm because it's all coming back to you and you're the one gaining and profiting but yeah then as you get bigger more looking after others yeah i understand yeah yeah that's very interesting i wondered if you could talk a bit about over your journey the span of almost a decade maybe some of the big wins you've had along the way that have boosted you running a business is tough you know it's it's a hustle um and sometimes you just need a little bit of luck here and there or a breakthrough or just anything that pops into your mind i guess milestones on the journey yeah i yeah. think um been a, definitely a lot of positives along the journey i think some of the, the big wins it, 
the staff that have come through and and their success because I think that reflects yeah. a lot on my success. So you know, with the current staff, as I mentioned at the beginning, you have to do a qualification in order to get your license. Yeah, two of my current staff, um, when they were doing their license, one the graduated first in her class, right. and the other graduated second. Yeah, in the class, and they were working for me at the time. Yeah, so that was, does that make you proud? That makes me proud because yeah. they, you know, they were working under me and doing yeah. this qualification. So working full time and doing the qualification. Yeah, and they both finished number one and number two, and that I think that was a big win for me because it reflected on well that that's a record of your achievement. Also, you know, as sad as it is for staff to leave. You know, I've had a lot of staff leave over the years. All of those that have worked under me or been trained under me are now at the top of the industry. Um, so I guess they are my competition, which is not, <laughs> not ideal. Yeah. And that's another thing about business. And depending on what business you're in is you put a lot of time and training and effort into people. But yeah. are you just fueling competition? It's yeah. a delicate balance. But yeah, like the in terms of staff that have worked for me you know you know they're at the top of their field they've started their own businesses and yeah. immigration advisory firm it's kind of a testament yeah. to the quality of your service that you provide yeah i think i think yeah definitely yeah. that that's by far the biggest wins is is the fact that you know people that have worked or trained under me are now running you know at the top of the yeah. industry and um they're still very very early on yeah. in their careers you know they may be two three four or five years into their career whereas i'm yeah you're a seasoned I, veteran <laughs> seasoned veteran yeah <laughs> well, when you're talking about that we have a friend in common that actually works with you and i know when he lived in argentina he worked in um in law got to the top in that and he moved over here and you've given him an opportunity at a better lifestyle and i haven't spoke to him in a while but last time i spoke to him he's very enthusiastic about a future in in immigration advice so yeah you're giving people a chance in life and starting them off on their journey so you must get some feel good factor from that I yes def- yeah. definitely and yeah. even if they are your competition sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah even if they are the competition you know yeah. but the, the way that i look at it as well and uh, i still look at it this way is that i don't have any competition because yeah. no one can do what i do how i do it and well, that comes back to your um, self-confidence again. yeah yeah and, and that may be true maybe not true it's but good, that's the it's way good belief I, to have yeah <laughs> that's the way that well. i feel and yeah. um i think a lot of people would would agree um yeah yeah um Everyone, you said you fell into the career and for me, my thing is furniture making and I get a lot of, I indulge my creativity, just things I get from it. I just wondered in, in your work, line of work, what benefits do you receive from? Well, I think like the, the motivation for me to start the business was to help people. You know, yeah. I didn't really see it as trying to make a million dollars or trying yeah. to make a certain salary. For me, it was just if I can, if I can get by, yeah. you know, enough to pay my rent and yeah. help people that's good enough for me and You're then changing I, people's lives yeah you know? yeah and then and so that's really i guess you know 
know, with your business and, and wanting to create things. I mean, that's what I want to do was to create help for people or allow them to create something with their lives. Um, yeah. And then I think that's how I got into it really was to desire to help people. And I guess the benefits feel good factor when there's people such as yourself, Niall, <laughs> yeah. who, um, you know, have helped to settle here. And yeah. Get through the the immigration hurdle. Then set up your own successful business. Um, Do you know we we used you for every um, every one of our visas except one. The one we didn't use, we messed up the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> and then we came to you to fix it. So yeah, yeah. and um, I, I still remember the feeling when our residency came through, and it it is life changing thing, you know. Because for a few years prior to that, I just couldn't make plans for my future. Didn't know whether I'd be here in two years. Didn't know. And just felt in limbo all the time. And it was like my life was on pause. When The feeling you get when that comes true is just amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was really the, the biggest driver for me for so many years. And yeah. and with that, you know, uh, also good benefits outside of work. I mean, I think for one year, I probably didn't pay for a drink <laughs> <laughs> for a year. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, you know, and, and lots of nice bottles being dropped off as thank yous. Yeah. And, Again, a double-edged sword because then you end up being end up drinking way yeah. more than, than you should. Um, but even things like you know hospitality companies dropping off vouchers for us as thank yous, yeah. and, and that's um, always been good. I think the it's last not, it's not the actual voucher; it's the gratitude. Yeah, it's the gratitude, yeah. yeah. And I think that's what's been so challenging the last twelve or even since COVID is that not really getting that gratitude because everyone is stressed, everyone's yeah. worried everything's taking four times longer than it should um yeah. it doesn't matter what industry you're in or even if you want to if you go for a coffee nowadays you know it's, yeah. it takes you four times as long to get the coffee because yeah. they have less staff or they're less staff and covid yeah. restrictions to to deal with i think that's been the biggest challenge since covid is that yeah. the feel-good factor is not necessarily there so then we have to default to being being a business like yeah. we are a business we do need to generate money and and probably you were getting a little bit of fuel from the feel-good factor yeah yeah yes. so i think that's what's been the biggest challenge for me during covid is that well it has to be about money or feel good and if trying to balance those two yeah if one is missing the formula doesn't work correctly i guess yeah i suppose previously you would have had people coming giving you gifts saying thank you you changed my life whereas in during covid times it's like we need more employees why can't we get them yeah we need answers yeah yeah um, and and all that uncertainty you know is the is the difficult part i mean in any business but ours i think our industry aside from healthcare. I think our industry's the most difficult during COVID. And I think the the healthcare and then behind that would be us because yeah. nothing has really been moving. And, and your job is to provide certainty for people. And we have no certainty. So yeah. we've been trying to do our job for so long um, during COVID. And yeah. it just sort of reaches a point where kind of take a step back from from things and have a look just speaking about that you're going through some changes in your business at the moment and 
bringing it through to the next stage and I guess it's just you're faced with another hurdle and you got to find a way to get over yeah and sometimes yeah you have to make difficult calls <laughs> yeah one thing I've noticed in my business and you might find the same we portray our business I'm talking about Rustic Soul we portray it in a in a certain way and put all the best photos on Instagram and I've noticed feedback from people of friends or acquaintances it looks like everything is just going so well they don't see the hustle behind it a good analogy I heard is like looking at a duck he's cruising along water he looks so graceful peaceful but underneath his legs are flapping furiously just to move um, what what are some of the common myths that you have come across say people's perception of collective consulting versus maybe reality yeah. behind the scenes sorry you said common okay, myth oh misconception yeah yeah, yeah. Like, you know the show Mythbusters I, oh myth oh yes yeah, sorry being Irish sorry. I struggle the, with the, the THs the, <laughs> the THs <laughs> I wasn't okay, sorry the myth? common myth <laughs> I think it really just depends at what, what stage of the business you are but I think it, in, especially in my business where you're reassuring people that everything's going to be okay you're guiding them through a legal process and taking that hassle off of their shoulders yeah. you know you portray yourself that everything's everything's running smoothly yeah and, and you have to um, yeah. because you have to that's part of your job I think one of the common myths is that business owners are just making heaps of money <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, because it doesn't matter how much money the business is billing. If it, you know, yeah. there's a lot that goes on yeah. to to squeeze an honest dollar out of your business. Yeah, and, and so that's, much more. And yeah. that's what I tell people these days is that you know, as a business owner now in the current climate with you know with this government is that it's so hard to make an honest dollar. Yeah, you know, it's so people can make dishonest dollars. You know, yeah. but to make an honest dollar is is very difficult in in this climate if you yeah. are a business because there's so many overheads that aren't seen yeah um yeah such as you know 10 days sick leave four weeks annual leave yeah a new public holiday coming in every other week <laughs> so there's is a lot of unproductive you know costs, costs that, you undertake. Yeah. that you undertake it's not just as simple as rent costs 50 grand a year yeah it, you know and staff wages cost yeah x amount a year it's um, it's also all the unproductive time yeah. if people decide you know I suppose for you um, when a when a legislation or a rule changes regarding immigration you've got to train up all your staff again that's time that you incur a cost on yes yeah, yeah. And which can't really be planned for because you don't know at the start of the year it's going to happen and yeah I think I think the biggest myth or misconception is about business owners making heaps of money and having to do a lot of work when it's actually the reverse yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes you know there's big paydays like that's that's the thing that's yeah. part of being in business is that you're taking this risk with the hope of a reward and you know yeah. for most of the the nine years that's worked out for me that risk and sort of now you know the business is at a stage where I need to take a, a bit of a step back because I think that the risk is not necessarily worth the reward yeah. and that's where you know in any business at whatever stage you're in you always have to ask yourself is the risk worth the yeah. reward and if it's not yeah. then you need to have a plan in place to yeah. be able to exit and I think COVID's made a lot of business owners realize that yeah. that you need to have some light at the end of the tunnel some yeah you need a direct is the juice worth the squeeze? That's the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're yeah you're sort of streamlining things and moving 
continue on to the next stage. Yeah, we're yeah. kind of moving on to the next stage, which is is um, just a bit of a, a downsize, really, because with things changing so much, so much time is is taken up with getting our head around the new legislation, around training, around yeah. you know, and this constant stop and start of you know, borders are opening. Oh wait, no, they're not. Oh wait, they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And lockdowns as well. You know that has a huge impact. So yeah, we're still still going to keep things going with the business, and um, we've managed to stay here this long, um, survive COVID. So hopefully, you've built yeah. an amazing name. Your name is what is renowned around the place. Everyone. Knows and there's so much value in that we, we've probably learned a lot of similar things but one thing my partner Marina started working with us we had to it was very difficult home life versus work life and we had to find a way to make it work and one thing we done was we'd say goodbye at home both come to the same place and say hey how are you good day and it sounds silly but it was just our way of separating work from home yes um, I, one thing I've noticed from you like because I know you on a personal level we used to play football together and we used to live together actually and yeah. Yeah. And also, yeah, had plenty of nights out together in the past. You were Party Marty, who's like this wild, crazy, fun guy. Um, and then when we used you professionally, you were just very stoic, uh, straight-faced, professional, down to business. Two very contrasting personalities or state of minds. Is that something you had to do just to find that balance? Or I think it's um, who I was at, at yeah. the time, you know. Yeah. And and things have changed a lot now. I, I wouldn't say I'm party Marty anymore. I don't think I've been party Marty since probably the pandemic yeah. <laughs> started. But yeah, before that, outside just, of work, yeah. party Marty, you know, be myself. Yeah. And you have to you have to live your own life outside of, uh, of work. And yeah. if not, then you you start to lose your mind a bit. And I think. You know, as soon as COVID hit, my life's been on hold since then, and yeah. and and so that's what's been so difficult for me to keep the motivation going for yeah. the business is that I can't be myself outside of work, and that yeah. doesn't always have to be party Marty. But when there's so much hanging over, so I, a work life balance is is key and yeah and and especially in a professional service business where you're now working from home a lot more or full time yeah it's just trying to have those boundaries and setting those boundaries as well you yeah know, like turning the phone off at five you know making it clear with clients that look we have yeah. a life <laughs> um, that's self-value isn't it as well yeah. as knowing your worth that your time is valuable. Yeah. yeah. And, and not everyone's going to like that or want you to have a life <laughs> because they want it done tomorrow. And we're all guilty of that. You yeah. know, I, I'd love for Pack and Send to be open tomorrow because <laughs> yeah. I just had to send a few things today and I shoot yeah. there and you kind of want people to You have to, be, to set the boundaries, you know, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's you have to take control of it yeah. if it's your business. And, and people are not always going to like or agree or are going to think they know better than you. <laughs> yeah, but it's your life. Uh, you just have to back yeah. yourself. And oh, it's very interesting. Well, yeah, I've just noticed as we're sitting here, we're sitting at this table that you actually commissioned me to build. And it was my very first commission. And it kind of started me on my journey with Rustic Soul. So you have really been a massive part in the massive catalyst in, in getting me on my journey. So I'd like to say thanks for that first. And I think it's really nice thought that we're come around full circle and now we're chatting at this very same table. Yeah. A few years 
years later. Yeah, so thanks for that. And and you've also been a bit of an inspiration for me seeing what you've done with your business has kind of shown me that it's possible, you know, if yeah. you can do it, maybe I can do it. And for all our listeners out there, I wonder if you've got any words, if someone's kind of on the fence, not sure whether to go for it, has a passion or a dream, is there anything you'd say to those people? Oh, well, probably going back to your point, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> yeah. So if it's something that you're passionate about and that yeah. you really have um, a drive for, then do it. And yeah. if you're too scared about taking the risk, is finding ways to, to mitigate that risk um, yeah. and, and finding ways that you can have, you know, a th- three-month plan or yeah. a six-month plan instead of looking so far ahead and thinking I'm yeah. going to get into this business and I have to be in it for you know three years or five yeah. years. It's it doesn't thinking, need well, to be that big it, massive it, thing. It doesn't yeah. need to be that big massive thing starting off small and, yeah. and mitigating risk and um, reaching out to anyone that is in business to try to get a, um, an idea of what it's like. Yeah. I, I was lucky that way that my best mates that I was at uni with had his own business so I'd see that firsthand and I saw the struggles they went through and still go through now I mean they're a screen printing and embroidery company started in Dunedin yeah and when when I met Tom they were living at the factory at the office because they couldn't afford yeah (laughs) rent um and I've I've seen them you know work weeks on end and and um but at the end you know it's worth it and they've put in the effort and they've reaped the rewards and and that's work ethic you have to have a strong work ethic and yeah. that like you know it doesn't matter how specialized or how good yeah. you are at business or how much money you have going into it yeah. you need a strong work ethic if you don't have that then yeah yeah that's, that's good advice really because it's not just like go for it but you have to analyze and weigh up all the checks and balances and realize what you're getting into and there's a lot of hard work goes into it yeah but yeah. ultimately for me and I think you it's it's very rewarding you get you get to pay off for that hard work well it's, it's coming back I guess the name of the podcast yeah I think it, it comes back to the name crafting and grafting which is that um, you have to work hard to create something what's been a big motivator for me and and given me a lot of satisfaction is what I've created you know and, yeah. and that's been created out of my grafting out of the hard work yeah and you can't be shy of hard work if you want to <laughs> start yeah. your own business and I think it should be self-explanatory yeah Awesome, awesome. And just one other thing that I'd kind of like to touch on, because I'm interested in your unique insight into, we live in Queenstown here, and it's just such a melting pot of different cultures, and people have come from all over the world and called this place home, and people have seen this and made quite a success themselves in this town. I just wanted to get your insight into that whole melting pot, how important it is for this place to have immigrants. I guess We've probably seen the hospitality industry has really struggled without backpackers. Everyone's struggling for staff at the moment. And that affects other things like tourists coming in, don't get the same quality of service, I guess. But from your perspective as an immigration advisor, uh, how important are immigrants or migrants to the area and to the country? Well, I think migrants are extremely important to the country and and to Queenstown. I mean, there's been um, regular studies, statistics, information that come out over the years that migrants contribute about you know four to ten times more than right. uh, the average New Zealander yeah, in terms right. of. 
um, the skills they bring in, the money they they yeah. bring in either through their income and, and just the qualifications. So, so to give you a little bit of background, so you don't think that I'm an immigrant saying that immigrants are better than Kiwis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fifth generation Kiwi, despite the, the um, American twang that still plagues me. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my, my grandfather fought for New Zealand in World War II, great-grandfather. Um, served for New Zealand World War One. Yeah. Family's been here since the late eighteen hundreds. But yeah, I I grew up in California, so hence the the, the accent. Um, but yeah, migrants, you know, contribute a lot more for a, a variety of reasons. I mean, one is the work ethic. You know, yeah. unfortunately, Kiwi work ethic has just been non-existent for the last twenty years. For the most part, um, we're making generalizations, but one one's the work ethic, two's the, the qualifications, yeah. you know, and, and the fact that migrants fill a lot of specialized, skilled roles that there's shortage in, yeah. in, in, in New Zealand. Yeah, which is um, needed. And and so I think you know the importance is is huge because a lot of very specialized um, technical industries like the you know doctors, medical industry. Um, heavily relies on on migrants for the the upper skilled jobs. Yeah. Also the lower skilled, you know, yeah. and 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 that's how Queenstown sort of became this melting pot. Was that there? It was a huge amount of hospitality and tourism jobs yeah. that were very were low paid, and yeah. Kiwis were not prepared to take those jobs for the high cost of living, whereas yeah. migrants were. Yeah. And that's. That's very much what's shaped Queenstown is the difficulty in finding staff or yeah. New Zealanders yeah. um, to, to fill these roles. And, and that's led to a reliance on migrant labor. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Queenstown wouldn't be where it is now without migrants. There's yeah. no doubt about that. I, um, I agree with that. It's happened for a variety of reasons with some recent policies like the 2021 resident visa. You know, this huge migrant community in Queenstown will no longer be a, a migrant community. They yeah. will all be New Zealand residents. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how that changes the dynamic because with the ability to leave Queenstown, will we see these new residents leave Queenstown the high cost of living in Queenstown's always been the problem and yeah. been the deterrent for New Zealanders yeah. settling here because primarily holiday homes, very wealthy individuals yeah. that own the property. And, and if you want to just have an average job and it save is. towards a house, it's it's near impossible. Yeah, and that's yeah. what kind of happens a lot. I guess people, when they're young, they don't really mind where they live. It's more about getting the epic views, going snowboarding, experiencing living life. But when people start to settle down and Want families they want security it's quite difficult to get a mortgage in this area yeah that's really why queenstown has had such a reliance on migrant labor because as you said you know these yeah. migrants they might be on a working holiday they might be here to party you know they might be here yeah. to have fun or if they're on a one two three year visas okay i've got three years you know put my head down and work and enjoy yeah. town whereas you know when you've kiwis new zealanders you've got to think about your family you got to think about being close to family for family yeah. support if you have children so that's always been the biggest challenge for Queenstown is that New Zealanders have not wanted to come down and yeah. settle. That, it doesn't look like it's going to change yeah. <laughs> because you have to make a lot of money to live a, a comfortable life in Queenstown. And that's, yeah. I guess that was another motivator actually behind 
the business is that I saw if I continued to be an employee, I was never going to be able to, you know, buy property in yeah. Queenstown. Yeah. I had to do it for myself. And, and that's what I went and, and did. I mean, it's. I think it's also a great breeding ground for um, small businesses because I look around and see successful stories everywhere. Queenstown. Queen, Queenstown is probably the best place for small business. Yeah, it's a um, lot of opportunity in, in New Zealand. Yeah, I'd say just because there's so much opportunity, so much opportunity, such a, a wide range of skill sets and yeah. cultures that yeah, huge number of small businesses. It's a, it's a booming town. Yeah, and it's growing all the time. And as it grows, more and more opportunities open up. Um, I think. The might wrap it up here there's one last question just to see out the podcast if we sit down and have a podcast in five years where do you think you'd like to be have you any thoughts on that i guess five years from now dream would be to just to be on a beach (laughs) doing this doing this podcast via some very high-tech microphone that we can have on a beach and it sounds like we're in a recording studio (laughs) with the gentle sound of the waves with the gentle sound of the waves in the background but i guess from a in five years from now i'd hope that i'd have the business running itself and yeah. I'd be pretty much entirely removed from it other than board meetings as a, yeah. as a director and, and sort of have handed it off to where I can have passive income you know because we're talking about 15 years on yeah. um, and, and I guess off the tools so to speak that's where I, I'd yeah. like to be and I guess where I see myself is having having the business as something passive and being able to do something that I something new that I want to pursue which yeah. Um, yeah. is re- sort of I do now as a hobby which is um, refurbishing and uh, restoring antiques nice. um, so I've got a, a bit of a mini workshop going on and um, I might have some competition yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no it's it's uh, unless you're redoing sort of old vintage safes and, and oil cans then maybe not oh, cool, <laughs> or cool. tool, old tools so I love all um, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I just would like to be doing something different. I think kind of reached a point where being in the trenches all the time, yeah. being on the front lines is is something that I need, I'd like to move on from. You've only got limited amounts of energy, but yeah, if what you've done with collective consulting is anything to go by, I think you'll definitely have that, that future for yourself in five years. I 100% believe you'll get there. So I look forward to catching up with you on that beach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on my own beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Thank, thanks for having me now yeah that's been awesome yeah thanks marty yeah i think that's a wrap oh that was great i enjoyed that chat thanks again marty for a really honest and open chat and a great insight into the highs and lows of growing your own business and thanks listeners for giving it a try we have lots more interesting guests lined up so stay tuned go down to the water wash those doubts away